Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Podcast Network Asia. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. I said give me the hell yeah! Hey, this is Zayda Zay. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not sexually transmitted. You need to go back to the drawing board because your game absolutely sucks! Hey, everyone, this is Jeff Cobb. I'm Lewis Howley. I'm Sam Spoker. We are pretty deadly. Yes, boy. Yes, boy. Hello, my name is Zina Dragunov, the star, the NXT UK champion, and you are listening to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Listening to the longest running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stan C, Romoran, Chino Liao, and Emil ASH on a special audio only episode. It's becoming an annual tradition here on the pod to bring back one of our friends, the Sniper of the Skies representing TMDK, Robbie Eagles. So before we start things here, we got to ask Emil, what is it like? Talking to someone of Robbie's caliber. But a pop grade tie pop grade, diba? From yes. the local I'm scene and out to New Japan. Oh my. You're on the rocket strap. It was so cool uh, talking to him and also getting to know more about yung local scenes in Australia. And palang inisip ko din na, oh, sana one day sumunod tayo sa Yapak. Sayapak ng, ng Australian scene. So, kasi I saw a lot of parallels, especially at the beginning when he was talking about, you know, when he was new to the business. So, yeah, it, it was it was just a really cool experience talking to someone uh, who's one of the best uh, junior heavyweight wrestlers in the world. Yeah, we really missed Rowan in this recording because in the weeks leading up to it, you're saying, oh, redemption arc na to. I'm going to ask him more than one question. And then uh, things happened. Uh, really unfortunate yeah, yeah. that Rowan's schedule couldn't align with this one. But Emil, uh, you represented the ASHs very well here on the pod. Thank you, uh, you thank got, you. Like, three or four questions in. Yeah. <laughs> and the last At one least. to boot. Uh. <laughs> so not bad, not bad, Emil ASH. All right, uh, before we get to our main event, as always, you can be part of all of the fun stuff that we do in our growing and bustling Wrestling Wrestling Podcast Patreon community. Emil, take it away. All right, so if you want to get the full Wrestling Wrestling Podcast experience, you can do that by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast, where you, you can subscribe for as low as $5 or 275 pesos in our local currency uh you could join our discord community when you join in uh, in our patreon where you could interact with your fellow podcast and talk about of course wrestling but you can also talk to talk to us about anything like sports memes fashion food uh and everything else uh 
we also host uh, some watch parties. So even though nagbapa viewing party na kami, we still do uh, host uh, watch parties on Discord, especially this May where we still have a couple of uh, uh, pay-per-view slash premium live events. Um, and also we have the Pasabais, which... Uh, The recent one... Wala, uh, tenga na na sa bahay month, ko, actually. So, yung mga, yeah. yung mga tulad ni Emil na hindi yeah. pa kiniklaim, uh, pakiklaim na po yung mga order. Yeah. He's out of town. He is out of... <laughs> the boy is out of town. So, if you want to be a part of the next one, though, if you want to get your authentic wrestling merch, you can get it through us. And uh, you could also get the exclusive... Uh, no, not, not exclusive, sorry. The review content of your weekly uh, wrestling shows like Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, and some local wrestling events. As well, and uh, by subscribing sa Ami Patreon, you're uh, supporting everything that we do here on the podcast. So please subscribe again to our Patreon at patreon.com slash wrestlingwrestlingpodcast for as low as $5. All right. Thank you so much, Emil A.S.H. Huwag na natin patagalin pa. Let's get right to it. Here's our main event, our conversation with Robbie Eagles. Here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, representing TMDK, the one and only Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles. Oh, Woo-hoo. listen to them. Listen to yeah. all the fans. <laughs> millions and millions. I like that upgrade, brother. <laughs> the, the soundboard is a great addition. I, I, I very much welcome it. And if you want to throw in anything else that you feel fits the mood, please go for it. All right. <laughs> Sign of the time, sign that. of how far we've come here on the podcast. Um, he loves doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great to have you back, Robbie. First off, congratulations on all the success of uh, making your debut on uh, ROH. Really huge deal for all of us here uh, who've been following your career. So um, how's everything been since, you know, you've got such a crazy packed schedule? Yeah, it's been ridiculous. It's just kind of been from one flight to the next. Haven't had too much downtime. Which is a good and bad thing. Uh, good for the wrestling, you stay crisp, you stay sharp, but bad for the body because getting thrown and taking those hits doesn't feel ideal. So, uh, you know, the recovery has become a key factor for me now, especially at uh, 33 plus years old. I'm definitely not feeling like I was when I was 23. So, uh, yeah, the, the longevity of my career is starting to take a hit, I think. How have you changed uh, the way that you prep and train uh, since you have been going at this for about, what, 15 years? Yeah, it was uh, 15 years on the 9th of March was my exact anniversary for my first match. So, so yeah, a bit of a milestone for me. Um, it's definitely been a lot more in the recovery side of things, a lot more massages and uh, physiotherapy, as well as, you know, just general stretching before matches and cooling down a particular way after matches. Um I'm not staying out late. I'm not partying with a lot of the guys and girls anymore. I'm just taking it pretty easy. My PS5 is my travel companion right now. So I uh, set myself up, play a few games after a match, and then go straight to bed and try and get as much rest as possible. I noticed that you seem to be in better shape than in previous years. Uh, did, did you change anything up? Yeah, my diet's been dialed in a lot, a lot more. I think uh, when I was... In Japan for six months straight over 2021, leading up to Wrestle Kingdom at the start of 2022, I was really able to focus on my diet because being away from home, I didn't have, like, it sounds like a bad thing, but I didn't have all the responsibilities that I had when I'm here at home in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had more time to dedicate to that side of the lifestyle. 
And I found it quite easy to adapt. So I kind of just taken that approach that I had when I was living in Japan for those six months and really just tried to apply it even when I am at home. Now, the difficulty is the temptation. There's always temptation in Japan and at home, everywhere I go in the US too, there's sweets and I've got such a sweet too. So it's just about staying away from that. But diet was honestly the main thing. So once I got my nutrition in check, I feel like that really showed very quickly. Uh, so hopefully it's good that like you've, you've taken notice on it because it's something that I want people to notice yes. that I'm working at. Yes, um, you look really good. Thank you. Uh, I've got I've got a really good workout program that's provided by an Australian company called Milestone Strength, and they've been awesome. I've been working with them for almost two years now. So I think those two things combined have really helped me up my game. I noticed when you came out for uh, the ROH World Championship match against Claudio that you were billed at 135 pounds, and I was shocked. I was like, how is Robbie only 135 pounds? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that is correct exactly but uh maybe it was a miscalculation between kilos and pounds but I, ah. i'm roughly about on on my best days now when i'm feeling leanest i'm weighing about 75 kilos okay. so okay that sounds more accurate pounds. yes yeah that's around uh 170 100 uh yes around that around that range or a little under 170 pounds Okay, Maybe yeah. they were trying it's to make Claudio seem bigger by making me build at a lower weight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Since we brought it up, I mean, let's talk about the match with Claudio. Like, how did that all come together? Uh, a text message on a Saturday morning and then a flight itinerary the next morning. And, you know, with like two days or a day and a half to spare in between before I got on that flight. So it all moves pretty rapidly in this industry from what I've understood Um and it's cool because, you know, the thing with working for Ring of Honor, who are obviously in a partnership with AEW, and it's kind of one big entity, um, things move really rapidly with them. And they have access to people like myself, whereas I'd say somewhere like a WWE can't do that. You have to be fully signed and agreed to work to them, uh, to work with them full time in order to to work there. Whereas AEW, I, I, I came in for one match, uh, Ring of Honor, sorry, but like, that could lead to more, but at the moment, it's just one, it's a one and done. So the fact that they threw the offer my way, I accepted it. We made it happen. And, you know, less than a week, I was, I was gone from my house and I was in the U S probably on the ground less than I was flying to be honest. Mm, yeah. This, uh, this question has something to do with your, your fitness as well, because you're crossing multiple continents just to do the show. Did uh, jet lag play a factor in in preparing for this match, in working the ROH dates? I think I've kind of worked out how to negate jet lag as much as possible. There's still an, a little bit of tiredness involved, but I basically just refuse to let myself sleep. And luckily for me, or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, I can't sleep to save my life on a flight. So... <laughs> I tried to time it and I try like I closed my eyes and I used my pillow and I tried to extend my legs as much as I could, but I never got restful sleep on that flight. So once I actually touched down in Florida and got to my hotel, I was at the gym within an hour after being checked in. And then I stayed up as late as I could until I felt like I was basically on the verge of passing out. And that's kind of how I guarantee myself to get accustomed to the new time zone. So that's my kind of it's a trick. But it's it's almost a curse. Like it's something that I can't avoid anyway because I'm not going to sleep on the flight no matter what. Uh, when you entered the ROH locker room, what did you notice was the biggest difference between that type of atmosphere and what you'd grown accustomed to in New Japan? 
uh, there was a lot more people. Uh, and like, I didn't get the chance to say hello and introduce myself to absolutely everyone. Cause there was just tons of people around. Like it's, it was a big arena. So it was, it was eye opening to see the production that goes into those tapings alongside a dynamite, a rampage, those sort of things. So there was just a lot of people. Um, I, I don't want to say that it didn't have that team environment cause it definitely still did, but obviously being the new guy, I didn't feel it as much as people that have been there week after week probably would have, but compared to new Japan where I'm comfortable in the locker room now, especially like I've changed units a few times. So now it's like changing locker rooms, but I'm used to it now. I kind of just float wherever I need to go and wherever there's this ample space and people that are willing to talk to me and have a conversation. So yeah, I guess that was the 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 biggest eye opener was like, you know, this is this is a big promotion. This is big arenas in the US. So it's it's a lot more space, there's a lot more people, and you aren't gonna know all the people. And that's just you gotta kind of deal with that. I have a question for you, Robbie. Is this the first time that you worked US like since since a pandemic or uh you have worked in US uh well before you made your Ring of Honor uh debut? Yeah, I uh, I've worked the US a, a, a couple of times, and the last time was actually uh, when I finished up my tour of CMLL in Mexico, oh. uh, which I think was around August 2022. So I, I went to LA and I shot for a New Japan Strong taping there, um, but that was the first time that I had wrestled in the US since then. And over the last couple of years, especially because of the pandemic, my time in the states has been fewer and far between. So it was it was a really big deal and for me it was it was an honor like i know no pun intended but it was an honor to wrestle for <laughs> roh in the states um i need to make sure that people understand that it wasn't my debut technically for ring of honor because uh my second time competing for new japan was actually the ring of honor uh on a rising tour in yes. japan so that was back in february of 2019 but i was hooked on ring of honor at 13 years old i would buy the DVDs from America and wait an eternity for them to get shipped to Australia, to my home. And so I would be like, you know, two years in, in the back catalog kind of thing. But like, I grew up idolizing these guys. And, you know, at one point I was ringside and Samoa Joe was right next to me. And that was like a real, not starstruck experience, but it was like a culminating experience for me because I saw those guys, I idolized them, and I've always wanted to do that style. But to be next to them and go, well, I'm sharing a locker room with them now. This is where I'm meant to be. It was like reaffirmation for everything I've done in my career to get to this point. So, yeah, it was it was really special for me, not only to to be competing for ROH, but for the world title. I mean, yeah. if you told Robbie when he was 13 years old that that would have happened, that he would have told you you're dreaming. But uh, uh, oh. if I'm if I'm not sorry, Emil, really quickly, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is your first time working for Tony Khan, technically. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry, Emil. Go ahead. Um, how, uh, what was the feeling though when you went out to the crowd and you saw, you know, um, it it was it was a big arena, right? When you wrestled for for that taping, what what did you feel like coming out, and uh, how did the reception go from from the crowd? Uh, Look, it kind of went exactly as I thought it was going to. Um, my following in the US isn't the strongest just because my appearances are so few and far between. And I totally understand that. And I knew that going into it. And look, when you're wrestling someone like Claudio Castagnoli, uh, you know that someone's going to get a louder pop than you. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's just how it works. 
so I kind of knew that like even going into it as the underdog, going into it as the relative unknown, uh, I didn't expect big jeers or cheers from the crowd. Um, I didn't get booed, which was nice, uh, but there was definitely people that were fans of Claudio's cheering for him pretty hard, and I could I could hear those people. I could hear literally everything they said. They were clear enough. But it was exciting uh, to be in a big arena like that. Uh, I feel, although it's different doing it in the US to Japan, I think working for New Japan for the last five years has really made me feel comfortable with that big arena setting. Whereas if I was coming straight from the Indies of Australia, I think it would have been much more daunting for me. So I was glad that I had the experience that I've had prior to that. Um, however, I'd like to do it in front of more people next time so I can keep pushing my boundaries. Yeah, that's the goal. So you mentioned that walking into the ROH locker room was an experience that you've never expected. You know, you didn't expect to be in ROH, let alone compete for the world title. So being in that lo locker room, were you starstruck by any of the wrestlers you met during your trip? Uh, I tried not to show it. Um, I think deep down inside, the little kid inside of me was a bit like that. But, you know, I had to show them that I was I was peers with them on that night. And, you know, uh, I, I'm in a working relationship with these people. So I need to show that I'm on their level and at the same level. Um, it was cool. It was humbling to uh, to run into some people. And upon introducing them, uh, introducing myself to them, they they said that they were fans of what I did. So I thought that was really cool of them. And look, whether they meant it or not, and they were just saying it, I, I still think it's cool that they go out of their way to say something like that, whether the sentiment's there. Um, and then it was also cool to, to run into some people that I've met along the way in smaller promotions in the US, in much smaller starts, and they still remember who I am. So that's, that's, that's always a cool thing for me when I'm back in those US locker rooms. Who was the uh, most surprising wrestler to tell you that he was a fan? Like, did you expect anybody to not know your work and then say, oh, my God, he knows me? I don't think I have exactly someone that I could say was the least expected for that. But something that I can say is I got to meet Mark Henry backstage. Wow. And he was really cool. Just We were just chatting about just random stuff to begin with once I got introduced to him. And then after talking to me for a couple of minutes, he went out of his way to search me on YouTube and he watched two of my matches to give wow. me some advice prior to wrestling Claudio. So I can't understate how cool of a guy Mark Henry is to, to have done that on, on just his own merit, he, his own goodwill. He went out of his way to do that. And I, I thought that was awesome. World's strongest man to world's nicest man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious about how is. when you uh, try to uh, introduce yourself to all of these wrestlers, some you know, some you don't know, especially when you're in uh, an American locker room, do you introduce yourself as Robbie Eagles or do you introduce yourself with your government name? Uh, I, I introduce myself to pretty much everyone as Robbie, uh, just because like, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a joke, but my wife calls me Robbie more than she calls me by my government name. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's, a, it's an ongoing trend. If I introduce myself by my government name, no one would know who I am. So if I say, hey, I'm Robbie, and they hear the Australian accent, some people will put two and two together at the least. Mm -hmm. So it's just easier for everyone that way. And then those that get to know me on, like, a much closer personal level, they then learn my government name and then... So does, we, does anyone blossom from there? Does anyone in wrestling actually call you by your government name, or just uh, the people <laughs> in your closest circle? 
I don't even know if people in my close circle call me that. So yeah, I mean, very rarely, like I'm in trouble if I'm getting called my legitimate name. (laughs) All right. That makes sense. Uh, Speaking of American wrestling, uh, we can't uh, go through this interview without mentioning uh, your protege, Grayson Waller, getting caught up to SmackDown. Congratulations to the Australian scene for that huge victory. Uh, Indy Hartwell also getting called up. So What's it like for you seeing, um, you know, these guys and girls who are part of your generation of uh, Australian wrestlers getting called up to a level like Raw and SmackDown? It's it's really, it's like a proud moment, especially someone like Grayson, who I've been so heavily involved in his training and his start. To see the things that he's gone on to do is incredible. And I'm forever proud of him. Um, it's a shame that he, you know, copped a bit of an injury right before. Uh, that's That's not ideal, but he has proven that that's not going to stop him. So I can't wait to tune into SmackDown and see what he does. Talks a lot of shit. So hopefully now he gets more time to do that because I think that's something he does incredibly well. And yeah, Indy, Indy finally getting the recognition that she's deserved for a long time. Winning the, uh, the NXT women's championship was an incredible moment. Um, she's a good friend of mine as well. So I was very proud to see that. Um, it's just cool to see Australians doing big things. And there's like a, it's like a, I don't know, there's like a bond between us, no matter who we are or where we started. Kind of like I saw Tony Storm when I was at the uh, the ROH taping and we weren't like close friends or anything like that. Like in actuality, she actually did a seminar that I ran back in like 2012 or 13, which trips me out because she was so young back then. But she like came, said hello, gave me a big hug when I got to the arena. And like, that's that's really cool because it means that we're kind of looking out for each other no matter what. So I, I'm very keen to see what other Australians break out into other parts of the wrestling world because, you know, we, we've been saying it for years, now we conquer. And we're not we're not talking about conquering short term. We're, we're doing this long term. We're going to take over. Yeah, for sure. Um, I noticed that it's really the millennials among uh, the Australian wrestlers who've gone on to, uh, you know, to the bigger scenes who really have this bond, but do you guys have a bond with say the Gen X Australian wrestlers or the ones from the older generations? I guess the older generations a little bit harder to contact. They really kind of went into solitude when, you know, wrestling went away from the mainstream here and they haven't really come back into the focus. Some of them have, have come into the, like the local stuff to, to kind of see what the scene's like now. And they're trying to ease their way back into it, to be involved or to be a part of it. But to be honest, we we really don't hear from a lot of them. So that's that's something that I wish we could get better at. But in terms of the younger wrestlers, I try to culture that and cultivate that. You know, like with with me being one of the trainers of the Pro Wrestling Academy, I'm I'm constantly there. I'm seeing the new people come up, uh, and just seeing how incredibly talented they are. Like I, I would have spoken about it when Grayson started. He started in I think 2006 when he was 26, and I started in 2008 when I was 18. We're the same age. And I just said, I hate you because you started now and you're this good. And I've been doing it for this long and I'm the same amount of good as you. Like, it's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, So seeing the even younger wrestlers now coming up, it's like really cool because you just see how quickly some of them can progress. And you go, you're 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, The world is your oyster. Just look at Kyle Fletcher in Aussie Open. Um, Robbie, uh, what do you feel being someone who's been in, in this industry for a long time? What do you feel that more and more Australian wrestlers are now being featured on in the major promotions in the last decade or so? Emil, did you just call him old? 
<laughs> I mean, he's old in the business. He's been in this business for a long time. He's a GYB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you what you what you can't see in the background is my walking stick that I used to get. <laughs> uh, no, so like I think it, for me, it's just about time. It's it, it's something that we've been waiting for, and we felt like the Australian wrestling scene has been slept on for the longest amount of time. And ten years ago, or sorry, maybe yeah, ten years. Like the last the last five years has kind of been where we've been in prominence, right? Before that, the 10 years prior, and even before that, before I started, I think the the reason that we weren't seen as much in these mainstream promotions or in the bigger promotions, as you might want to put it, or worldly promotions, is because the accessibility was so hard to see what we were putting out there. Like no one, barely anyone was filming the shows, let alone streaming them. But now that we can stream shows a lot easily, you know, people could literally put something on Instagram and that goes straight to the whole world. All that sort of stuff made a world of difference for us here down under. So I think it was kind of just us catching up to the rest of the world in showing them what we're doing. But we've been kicking each other's asses here to be better than anyone else in any other country. It's just we haven't been seen doing it. So once those eyes finally got on us and it was like, oh, we can watch a PWA show every month because it streams live on Fight, or we can tune into MCW or EPW in Perth are putting their shows on Vimeo or YouTube for free. Like all that stuff made such a difference. And you'd be surprised that like, I know even this last WrestleMania week, there were so many Australians kind of just getting at it in the US and they probably wouldn't have gotten those opportunities plus five years ago because no one would have seen their work or been able to see it, but because they can literally go on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and look at this stuff, they give the Aussies a shot now. So I think that's really something that's, that's helped us out incredibly. I, I'm actually curious. Um, I'm trying to figure it out and pinpoint it, but who or what would you credit uh, the Australian explosion to? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hate saying this because I've said it so many <laughs> times, but it's Will Ospreay. Okay. Uh, it, it has to be Ospreay. He, he came here and, you know, he just, he had such an enjoyment for the passion that we all shared. And I think it, he, he, he's spoken about it. It kind of revitalized him at the time because he was feeling a bit down about wrestling and uh, yeah, some other stuff. So I think his trip here really gave him like a new focus. And then he just screamed from the rooftops about how good wrestling was in Australia that he experienced. And you know, 2017, that was that was a pretty prominent time for Will Ospreay on the up. So people were watching and listening to everything he said. So uh, we, we credit him to this day. The shows that we did where he was a part of it were some of the biggest turnouts we had had at the time. And like the most random fans that we had never seen before. And like our company, PWA, had existed for 10 years at that point. And we just saw all these people. And we go, who are you? You've never been to our shows before, but please keep coming back. So uh, I honestly have to thank New Japan so much for that because, you know, in that same time period, Okada came to Melbourne and wrestled Slex. Uh, and then we got the first New Japan tour of Australia at the start of 2018. And I remember wrestling in that building, which was a building I worked at as an usher, as someone that would guide people to their seats way 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 back so to walk in there as the talent and then to wrestle in front of it was like three and a half thousand people which was one of the biggest sydney crowds we had had in years was ridiculous and it's all because of the brand new japan pro wrestling 
I'm, I kind of hope that you would kind of do the same for Philippine wrestling since you've already yes, been please. here and I'm sure you'd be yeah. back once more. I mean, like we haven't seen the last of you around here. Oh no, it's it's been in the works for a long time. So I'm, okay. I'm itching to get back to the Philippines. There's, there's lots of lots of people I scouted on my initial trip in 2020 that I want to lock it up with. So I'm hoping sooner rather than later we can make that happen. Definitely. Right. And when you do, I can pick you up from your hotel uh, once more. Uh, and take me to Jollibee, goddammit. Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Hey, hey, uh, before Chino gets to this next question, there's uh, a link now between you, me, and Jollibee, my friend, because I've I've done some Jollibee commercials now. So like that's, uh, that links you and I with Jollibee at this point. Please tell me you have like gift cards or vouchers or something. <laughs> I wish I did, but they just paid me in cash. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that that works all the same. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tina, go ahead. They take whatever they take whatever at the job. Anyway, you mentioned working with us back home, working with U.S. Uh, promotions. Are there still promotions out in America that you wanna lock it up with? Like, are you interested in returning to ROH? Maybe more strong. I mean, like, there's there's plenty plenty of opportunity for I think great matches for me in the U.S. Um, there's a promotion, uh, like an independent promotion that some of my friends have worked for recently, and it just looks like a really good time. And it's Deadlock Pro, um, DPW, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think they just recently did a crossover show in Japan with Gato Move. So yeah, we got to. They're they're making some waves, and like the they look like they run like a really fun a fun time. So I'd like to try and get to there. And uh, like repeat offender, I, I want to go back to Pro Wrestling Gorilla if that door ever opens for me. Defy in Seattle is somewhere I'd love to perform for again. Um, you know, House of Glory has a, a close place in my heart in New York um, because they opened their doors to me when I was very young in this business, when on, on my first trip to the US and they didn't know who I was. I was just some random Australian kid and they treated me so well. And I've always, every time I've been in New York, I've gone and trained at their school and gone and helped out with ring crew and stuff like that to try and get opportunities when I was still coming up. So they're, they're a place I'd want to get to. Uh, but look, I I'd be, I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't want to go back to ROH unfinished business there, of course, but there's plenty of people in AEW that I want to kick their heads in. So I think that's kind of, you know, the, the next goal. Um, I've, I've been kicking down doors forbidden or not for a while. So let's just open another one. Speaking of kicking people's heads in, we were all surprised when you decided to switch units once again and join TMDK. So uh, what can you tell us about that move? Because this is what, you're th- the second time you've switched teams in New Japan? Yeah, you're right. So third unit that I've been in, um, people would often make a joke out of that is what I've seen online. Oh, Robbie, you <laughs> changed units again. Oh, my God, you're such, a, you're such an S word. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's not about that. I'm an opportunist. And I feel like my opportunities in chaos had run out. So I got offered this spot in TMDK. And to me, it was a no-brainer. So Zach's someone that, you know, even when we were in different units, we we would hang out. We would catch up for dinner. And especially during those six months that I was there, he was he was living there with his wife still. And um, I, I think they might have just moved. I'm not too sure. But he was someone that was really good for like a lifeline just you know, because you're away from home for that long. I had just bought my first house uh, and had to kind of just upshift and move. And the pandemic was a strange time for everyone. Like I know you guys felt it a lot more than we did. So uh, it, it was it was tough. And to have someone like Zach that was like, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm from this side of the line. You're from that side of the line. But if you need someone to just 
vent to. Let's let's get a, get a bite to eat or go to the gym or whatever. So then when he sided with TMDK and then the offer came my way, I was like, yeah, this is this is great. This is where I'm meant to be. And Shane and Mike, especially, such pioneers for Australian wrestling. They were they were the two guys initially that really set the tone for Australians that could make it overseas because their run in Noah is legendary still to this day. Um, and I owe a lot to them just for the groundwork that they provided for the rest of the scene. So to be a part of that crew and the legacy that TMDK has had, even with guys like Bronson Reed and Duke Hudson, it's, it's a great place to be. And I'm, I'm super happy to be at what feels like home. Sorry. Can I just say real quick, real quick, we were, a lot of us were really afraid that you would go and join United Empire because there were already two Filipinos there. (laughs) And we were afraid you were going to be the third Filipino and make a Filipino group. That would have been nice, but maybe, maybe when, I don't know, five, 10 years when the, the battle lines change again. Maybe we just start an all Filipino group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or like a Filipino subunit of some other group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, You mentioned Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols, right? TMDK has been around for what? 15 years as well, about as long as your career. So what's it like for you joining this iconic Australian stable now in this, in this different incarnation? Hey, it was, it was really wild to like put that t-shirt on for like my challenge to Hiromo that Mm -hmm. I, that I taped uh, that aired. I think it was the, the New Japan Cup finals. Yeah. Um, putting the shirt on was an experience. Like, I was like, I never thought I'd be representing these letters. This was such a wild time for me. And then getting to Japan for that first match, uh, I actually had a house show before we had a, a, a Korokan event that was live on New Japan World. But doing both of those and hearing the crowd's reception to me coming out wearing the TMDK shirt and in the colors – like it was such a cool experience. Um, and for me, it's it's all about like I kind of said my opportunities had run out in chaos. And also I was I was in chaos from 2019 up until this time in 2023. So earlier this year. It's a long time to stay in one spot. Um it's I kind of look at it like as much as people want to come at me with some hate for it, the jumping ship or whatever they may say, you gotta think about like sports stars. They don't always stay at the team that they start with, they, sure. they eventually move. And it might be because their their chemistry with other teammates is stronger on other sides, so they have to shift to where they can perform better. And that's kind of what I've done. I was granted opportunities, and I feel like I'm performing better at this side with TMDK behind me. So I'd be silly not to take that opportunity. Um, doesn't mean that if an opportunity presents itself for another unit next year, I'm going to take it. I kind of want to stay where I am for now. I'm not looking to jump ship any further. I also don't want to get any more flack online. Uh, how does TMDK Robbie differ from Chaos Robbie or Bullet Club Robbie? Look, I, I don't think there's much of a difference in the person. Um, in terms of the wrestler, I've got a lot more guidance from people like Zach now, whereas it was more hands-off in Chaos, I feel like. So getting Zach to be in my ear and give me some tips and advice on how I should maybe think about things in the ring... Like he was ringside with Fujita for my match with with Hiromu, and that made a world of difference because I pushed beyond barriers that I didn't think I could break down. And just hearing Zach say "one more" or "keep going" or "you got this," like just that 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 sideline coaching, it was incredible. So I want to provide that to the rest of the team in TMDK as well whenever I get the opportunity. And that's the environment that I've always wanted to be in. So uh, 
I think that's the main thing that differs. And look, with, with TMDK comes a bit of edge and it means I can loosen up a little bit more because we're, we're kind of, we've been dubbed the mad lads and it's mostly an Australian group. So I'm way more comfortable in my own skin here in TMDK. And if that means I can let the cheeky bugger out of Robbie Eagles, then that's what's going to happen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Between you guys and Bullet Club and this other group, United Empire, there seems to be a lot of gaijins in New Japan right now. So how do you feel TMDK separates itself from the rest of the other clubs? Well, first of all, we wear orange and black. Best colors. There yeah. was a lot of confusion at one point when I was in chaos wearing Australia's Olympic colors. And then people saw that as a sign as me going to United Empire. Mm-hmm. United Empire don't own those colors. So they can get in the bin with that idea. Uh, I, think, I think what separates us is our attitude. Um, I think United Empire sometimes can come across very serious. They're very straightforward and to the point. Bullet Club now under under David Finlay's uh, regime, we don't know exactly what that looks like yet because he's been super aggressive and it looks like he's he's set to change the landscape still. He's he's kicked people out. He's scouted people in. I, I don't even know what that's going to look like. But TMDK, we are... We're a cheeky lot. We're we're there to not only win and, you know, get through it all, but we're there to have a good time while we're doing it. And we're a band of brothers. So I think that really comes to the fold. And what you can see as well is we're good teachers because we're teaching our young boy, Fujita, probably some bad habits as well and some bad (laughs) language, but we're teaching him good techniques. So that's what's important. On a lighter note, I've seen you uh, um, using the word Sniper Bob on your posts more lately. So uh, what, what's the whole Sniper Bob thing all about? Oh, I just, there's so many aliases that I could go by. It just depends on the mood and the vibe of the day. Sniper Bob was just something that I coined and I was actually singing the tune from the Simpsons movie of Spider Pig. So <laughs> that's, how that, <laughs> that's just how that came about. Yeah. It was just one of those random things. Anything I can do to like shorten my name in a sort of, succinct way that's a very australian thing to do you know saying from mosquitoes to mozzies we've got to make the word shorter so if i can do that that's that that's always a name yeah close enough i was actually thinking of side troll bob so i, I was surprised that uh, i was actually a spider pig connection close right enough. right right track of the simpsons just uh-huh. different character yeah yeah 
Um, so what's your schedule been like now that um, for the other parts of the world, it seems like COVID restrictions are just really, really loosening up uh, if they're even existent at all. Or so so how, how busy has it been for you now? It's been pretty busy, um, especially like locally. There's been tons of stuff in Australia happening, lots of uh, great local shows. And then you've got New Japan Tamashi as well, which is the oceanic brand. And that's just been going from strength to strength. Our last tour that we did was the first time we did three days in a row. Uh, we did South Australia, Adelaide on the first day of the Friday, came back to Sydney for the Saturday, and then traveled south to Melbourne on the third day. And even though we were in Sydney, which is my hometown, I didn't go home. I saw the airport, went to the venue, and then had a real cheap budget hotel by the airport because my flight the next morning was extremely early. So I didn't see the point in going all the way home to drive myself all the way back to the airport. So that was a little bit upsetting. but. It's cool to have that kind of schedule at, at home in Australia because those are the things that when I was first starting in 2008, that all the people that had already been around a few years were, were talking about like it would never happen. You'd never have these tours of Australia or of cities and states. You, would, you, you do one show a month and if you work for another promotion, you might pick up a second booking in that month and that was a strong month for you. And if you tell people in the US or the UK stories like that they're like oh my god that's such a light schedule how would you how would you cope with that but that's just what it was whereas you know I, if i'm working friday saturday sunday in australia it's it's a great time and then there's going to be that shot happening the next week and there's always shows happening it's it's been incredible but the schedule has been has been hectic um i did spend some time away from new japan from super junior tag league which ended in december last year up until this most recent stint in April. Um, so I did get a, a chunk of time off, but there was some restrictions and stuff that kind of impacted that. Otherwise, I probably would have been back in Japan a, a fair bit more. Are you at a point where you're so busy that you need like an agent or a manager to plot out all your bookings? Uh, probably, but I'm still just doing it myself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's amazing. It it's like I go yeah. on, yeah, other people's, uh, other wrestlers' social media, right? And you see for increase, uh, email, book, blah blah blah, at gmail.com or whatever. And it always goes through like some ma- managers. So I was always curious about that. Um, switching gears here, uh, you know, we're, we're at a point where a lot of wrestlers uh, don't have to be affiliated necessarily with like a big company to be able to make a full time living out of the industry. So, um, in Australia, what uh, best industry practices have wrestlers done to actually get that off the ground? I think one of the things that's that's happening more in Australia now is like the the merchandise game has really stepped up because that's how independent wrestlers make money. They mm-hmm. they, yes. they sell their t-shirts, they produce good designs and people are buying them and the thing that uh myself and some of the other wrestlers locally had a conversation about is we had gone to some uh local music gigs of bands that were kind of like they're not huge bands, but they're also not playing in front of small crowds. They're kind of in that like mid tier. They're probably about to break out into like real mainstream popularity and they're doing lots of like festivals and stuff like that. We would go to their shows and they're selling shirts for, you know, 40, 50 bucks. And we're like, you know, for ages, we couldn't get wrestling fans to pay more than 20 for a t-shirt and you're scraping by on the profit. Like you have to sell a ton to even just make some of it back or break even. But now wrestling fans locally have been so great with supporting the wrestlers that they love they're buying shirts the shirts have gone up in prices the fans haven't halted on that 
Um, and then the designs are getting even better. So that's definitely something that I think that has improved significantly since I started because there was almost no merchandising done when I first started. Everyone, it was either too high of a cost, too big of a commitment, or the fans weren't invested enough to, to spend the money that would be required. And then I think like social media presence is something that the Australian wrestlers have really stepped up. They, they understand to, to be seen, you have to have stuff that is watchable. So if you don't have anything online, there's no content, people can't see you. Uh, people have really stepped up their, their social media game. And as part of that, uh, I think it's then allowed the top talent in Australia to get more work because they're being seen by more promoters and promotions here locally. So now they're flying around or driving cars to state to state and doing whatever they have to. And that's really cool because I remember doing those drives and, you know, they're, they're not fun, but that's how you make a name for yourself is driving to a promotion and then, and getting in front of a new crowd. So yeah, we're seeing a lot more kind of interpromotional uh, talent, I, not exchanges, but just like interpromotional talent featured, which is always great and keeps things fresh. On the note of merchandise, uh, you mentioned that, uh, you know, wrestlers would, would produce merch on their own, right? Um, is there like an Australian equivalent to pro wrestling tees now? Cause you've got your pro wrestling tees, you've got your big cartel, uh, but is is there someone that just um, consolidates it for all the indie wrestlers in Australia? There was, but they actually just uh, they stopped just recently. So um, shout out, shout out to Wrestler Merch. Uh, they were great. They they were around for I think the last four or five years. Uh, Sam does a lot of work behind the scenes at PWA, and she was running Wrestler Merch, and she was doing a fantastic, fantastic job with that. So it was basically the equivalent of pressing tees for us here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, but because of just some changes, uh, that had to come to an end, but that doesn't mean that someone else won't pick up where wrestler merch left off. I think that created this opening in the market and it was something that was really good because the fans were invested enough that they would ask us if we had X, Y, Z design in their size. And we, I'd always try and have a flyer for the website on me so I could just direct them there. And I said, look, I don't have it physically but you can get it fulfilled over here if you if you really like that t-shirt and a lot of the times they would come through with that so that that's that's really cool because i think at point of sale when the sh- shirts there physically the people are at the show it's really easy to convert that person into buying your t-shirt but to give them a flyer and say yeah go online on your own free time and you know whether you do it tonight or tomorrow then you can get it and if you're converting people into that it means that they're super invested in what we do and wrestler merch was providing a great service so yeah um I, it's no longer with us but i don't think it won't be long until uh someone else picks up where that left off you sound like you guys have uh, a, a personal connection with the audiences who attend the indie shows. so from your perspective what's the best way to um to cultivate those relationships and really maintain them to a point where they go out of their way to buy your merch even though they're now at like 50 dollars a t-shirt uh, I, uh, it's just about being genuine. So for me, I, I'm always really good with faces and names. Um, sometimes better with faces than I am the names, just because there are a lot of names that you meet, but, uh, I remember people and I can, I can spot people. And, you know, I had an interaction with a fan recently at, uh, the Sydney, New Japan Tamashi meet and greet. And I remembered that she had attended, uh, when I wrestled Will Ospreay for the first time was her first show locally. 
and she hadn't been around for a couple of years. Like she had just been doing her own thing, but came to this show. And I, I remember that I was like, Oh, your first time was at Paddington when we had this. She's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you remember that. And like, I didn't have to say that, but I actually remembered it. And it's a genuine moment for me because for me, I, you know, my second match was in front of three people. So I cherish the fact that I can wrestle in front of hundreds or thousands now. And I try to remember the people that if they come to meet me and introduce themselves to me or connect with me online, uh, I try to reciprocate that. And, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, like, and I'm sure people know that I'm not trying to become best friends with these people. I'm not, (laughs) I'm, I'm not talking to them every day, every single day, but if we have a genuine conversation at, the merch table it's a genuine conversation so I, i'm there to listen to what they have to say and obviously a lot of the times people are, are coming up to show some sort of uh, appreciation or support for what i do so i'm very appreciative of that because of where i started and where i've come from so you know i'm never gonna turn down someone from saying that they like even if all they're doing is coming to say they enjoy what i do and that's it i still appreciate that just as much as someone buying a shirt or two from me so I'm going to jump in here and go back to something you said earlier in the interview. You you talked about all the great Australian talent being called up to these bigger promotions. Is that something you're interested in? I already work for a big promotion. What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> uh, 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 an even bigger, what well, I can't say that you got a, a WWE call. Or, Tino, that's you know. tampering. It's illegal. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> tampering. Am I part uh, of the WWE? I'm not part of the WWE. <laughs> you're, you're putting Robbie in a bad hey, spot. I don't that. <laughs> no, look, look, it's a, it's a it's a very easy question for me to answer. Um, and a lot of people that um that know me know my answer. And I love living in Australia. So with my job in New Japan Pro Wrestling, I get to fulfill two different things. I get to wrestle in Japan, which has been a dream dream of mine for the longest time since I started being a fan of independent and Japanese pro wrestling at the same time. And then I get to build a home and have a family and not have to uproot my life and move to somewhere else. That doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. Um, at this stage of my life, I'm very comfortable with where I'm at and I'm happy keeping it kind of this way. But I, I, I think there's way more for me to achieve in New Japan before I move to anywhere else. So it's all about you know, baby steps constantly, even 15 years into this industry, it's still you know, crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. So um, let's 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 maybe get Robbie Eagles to Forbidden Door first and then we can kind of start testing the waters out a little <laughs> bit more. There we go. <laughs> I, I have, uh, speaking of um, J- New Japan and Australia, so uh, New Japan has already started their foothold on the uh, Australia-New Zealand region with Tamashi, right? Uh, what, what do you think of that? Um, is that something that can be a lot bigger than it, uh, it eventually? Yeah, I think it's it, it's only a matter of time because it has the business plan and model to to continually grow. And because it has that brand name, I think that brings instant eyes to what we do with New Japan Tamashi. Um, so it's really cool because it features some of the best local talent and then it brings in people from New Japan domestically in Japan. Like we just had Shingo Takagi and Hiroki Goto on the last string of events. And even just having those two on the cards, there was people that I had never seen at previous New Japan Tamashi events that were obviously big fans of both those gentlemen um, and they'd come out of their way to go see our shows. So I think it's something that will continue to evolve and it's something that I've kind of spoken about, whether it's New Japan Tamashi or whether it's a local brand here in Australia, 
we're all working towards the goal of creating a self-sustaining industry so that it's not just about moving your life to the US and signing to a big time promotion over there or or signing to a New Japan Pro Wrestling to live it full time in Australia. The goal for me and a lot of my brothers and sisters here in the local scene is to grow it so that people can work for a PWA or for an MCW or for these other companies and that's their full-time wage. So until that happens, and like I said, whether it's New Japan Tamashi, whether it's something here, whether it's something that hasn't existed yet, I am all for it no matter who or what it is because I just want to see the guys and girls that I've been so involved with, I want to see them fulfill what they're fully capable of and they won't be able to reach that success level until they're committing to it full time. And at the moment, they're doing what I was doing up until, you know, 2019. They're they're working a nine to five and then squeezing in the wrestling around it. Or, you know, in my case, sometimes risking the nine to five by going to the gym on your lunch break. So <laughs> yes. you do what you have to do to make it work. Uh, your boy and our boy, Emma the Kid, just got on Tamashi recently. Yeah, he can thank me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. Uh, yeah, the he's last a time, little shit. So <laughs> the last time we had you on, uh, you mentioned that uh, having Grayson Waller compete on Australian Survivor brought more eyes to PWA, and with him now being in WWE, has that also um, amplified the effect? Oh, definitely. He is such a great spokesperson for who we are, especially PWA. Uh, he any opportunity he gets to kind of throw our name out there, he, he does so. Um, he recently, I think, came home over the holidays. He had a very short time back at home and filmed like a little web series leading up to his match with Bron Breaker, which I yeah, we saw you I there to have a guest role. Yeah. So, um, and it wasn't for, it wasn't for me. Like it was, I, I was there to help him in camp and get him prepared. And he went out of his way to ask me to do that. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll do whatever you need helping with because I appreciate what you do for everyone back here and the advice that you give back. You know, it was a, it was a, a bit mouthy. Um, I didn't always <laughs> like what he had to say, but you know, he's got, he's got that, that, that big headedness of going to the big time. So I totally understood that and expected it. Um, but no, he's, he's such a great spokesperson for what we do. Always appreciate him and everything that he, he, he says and does because he just pays it forward constantly. And you know, th this industry is very humbling. The the people that you see on the way up are the same people that you see on the way down. So if you don't treat everyone with respect, if you are back somewhere that you didn't think you were going to be back, it's it's like uh, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, guys. Like yeah. you got to you got to be willing to share that locker room with those people again, because otherwise it's going to be a hostile environment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of our previous guests, uh, Yappy, who's a fellow Pinoy uh, wrestling full time in Japan with Ice Ribbon, she talked about how in Japan. Uh, wrestlers have insurance premiums and like it's actually a recognized profession by the government is australia anywhere near that level of recognition from the government or like the department of labor or whatever oh, that's a good question i should probably look into that <laughs> <laughs> i mean that no, no, if, if, we, if, if we had to, if we if you had to work nine to fives then i think the answer is pretty clear yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean it's not something that i've looked into just because you know working in japan but living here there's so much like muddiness with financial stuff and like my wife does all of that. I, I handle very little of it. Um, so I, I know so, so little on, on that, but um, I don't think it would really become apparent. Uh, like you said, Stan, until 
uh, it grows a little bit more in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned your wife handling the business end of things. So is it like a is your wrestling career like a family business now? <laughs> uh, no, it's just the money I make from the wrestling goes to her. So that's that's how it works out. I thought it was kind of like what the young bucks do, where uh, you know their wives take care of the t-shirts and the merch sales and all of that. <laughs> oh no, I I do all the work, and then she just gets all the pretty things at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we we have we have this house thanks to wrestling. Um, mm, yes, you know, and it's very much we we work as a partnership. She's got her own job. I obviously have mine, and we we just come in the middle to make our lives as good as they can be, and that's why she's in in Europe living it up right now. So, um, you know, I I, I miss her dearly, but <laughs> I'm I'm sure she's enjoying uh, the time. And look, it's only fair. A lot of people have kind of come up to me as I've spoken about this recently, and they're like, "Why aren't you there with her? Like, what the hell is going on?" I'm like, "No, it's it's only fair. She stays at home, looks after our two two hours because they're horrible." <laughs> dogs that can't be handled by anyone else um <laughs> so she'll stay at home and do all that and look after everything whilst i'm on tour so it's only fair that because i'm on tour so frequently that i stay at home and i chip in the same amount of work when she goes away and has a vacation then we'll meet in the middle somewhere and we'll have a vacation in like uh, a beach somewhere in australia at some point so uh last couple of questions because you, uh, we know you're packing up you're ready to go on another tour Um, since you've been married a few years, what's your av- advice to the wrestlers here in the Philippines who are about to take that step or who are already navigating those waters? And you know, they've he's got asking a wrestler for, for himself. I'm not asking for myself because I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> he's asking I, for himself. So uh, for, for the people here in the local scene, you're wrestling adjacent, though. <laughs> <laughs> how do you deal with how, how do you deal with keeping your wife happy despite being in this crazy little world we live in? It's all about QT quality time. So when you're at home or when you're with them. You have to, and it shouldn't be like forced. I'm not saying like you have to. Like for me, it's just second nature. Like if I'm here and I'm at home, even if it's as simple as watching a movie on the couch downstairs while we're having dinner, like it's just quality time. And then, you know, I always want to hear about a day. Um, even if I don't ask, she'll tell me, and I'm happy to listen. So like for me, I want to know what she's been up to at all times. Um, yeah, it's just. Like, like you said, happy wife, happy life. That's that's it. But it shouldn't be forced. It should be easy. If if it's something that you feel like you're forcing to do, you maybe just need to take a step back, breathe, recollect yourself, and then kind of like work out the priorities in your life. Um, and for me, it's it, it's it's very much a balancing act. Okay, like wrestling is such a dedicated thing. You have to be so from an independent level to professional level. Like well, I say, professional, but you know what I mean, to a higher kind of like elite level with a new Japan or WWE or things like that. Uh, you got to dedicate so much to it, but if you're not grounded at the same time with the family that you have, then I think where this industry can take, you might get to your head. And so it's really good to have your feet on the ground with your family, whether that's your wife or you, your siblings or whoever it may be. So for me, I'm just very thankful for the family that I have. I'm thankful for my wife sticking by me through the tough times and through the now a lot better times. Um, yeah, I mean that's probably the best advice I could give. And like, just include them, in- include your significant other in what you do. So she uh, she loves when I'm successful in Japan and like, but I don't I don't I don't tell her in advance. She has to tune in and find out. <laughs> 
I have a follow up to that though. But what about? I don't know if we asked you this already, but so if I if we did, please forgive me. But what about managing the fear of you getting injured? Because we've had quite a bit of pro wrestlers here in the Philippines of marrying age that have had to stop because their wives or significant others wouldn't let them. They they were scared for them, so they told them to you know take a break, get out of there, and before you hurt yourself. See, that's exactly why yeah. I asked that question. Oh, you <laughs> asking for, so, you know, for the rest of us. <laughs> so, look, it's 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 a risk of the job. It, it would be the same for a rugby league player here in Australia. Um, if you're the wife or significant other of that person, you know they 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 play a contact sport, and anything can and will happen, and it's unpredictable. Uh, same with what we do. It's just, I think. That's why you have to be dedicated to pro wrestling because if you are dedicated to it as a physical contact sport or a combat sport or however you want to look at it, then you'll aim to be the best at what you do so you can control as much of it as possible. So that's why I always feel like when I'm in the ring, I leave very little to risk because I am confident in everything that I am doing and I will make sure that I get out of there in the best possible shape I can be. Doesn't mean I don't cop injuries. Um, mm-hmm. They they happen. It's just yes. you know, um, luckily a lot of the times they're not they're not severe or they're not long lasting. And then if they are, like there's definitely things that I'm dealing with still to this day from 15 years ago and onwards. Um, but it's just about managing them. I if I ever get to a point where I'm struggling to get out of bed or I can't mm-hmm. walk on my own or I can't use my own limbs. I mean, that would be a different story. So uh, if you're not feeling unhealthy in that in that sense, then you should be able to keep going. If you feel like you're having match after match and you're coming back and you're hurt every time to the point where you're debilitated for days, then it might mean that we need to change something in that situation. Maybe you've got to go back to training. Maybe you've got to reassess the way that you wrestle and change your style. It's just about being self-aware in that, um, which I think is something that a lot of wrestlers don't always do um they're still so enamored by being able to do this thing that a lot of us have dreamt about doing as a kid and now as a grown adult we can then do it so you're still in that like honeymoon phase with pro wrestling you're just gonna go give it a go but yeah you gotta you gotta take those those licks that you get and treat them seriously and that's why i think now the industry is better than it ever was about recovery and about about injuries and things like concussion protocols, like that stuff is not to be messed with because your brain is so important. If I was a vegetable, I would be very, very upset with myself for not taking that stuff seriously. On, on that note, uh, your frenemy, Will Osprey, just admitted recently that he's already, you know, thinking about slowing down because he, he's already getting a lot hurt and banged up because of his style. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Billy Goat talks a lot of shit as well. So I'm sure he'll just <laughs> reinvent wrestling once again in some other way that none of us were expecting. And it'll be amazing and incredible yeah. because he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. So in relation to the, this talk about recovery and uh, you know wellness, knowing you, you've been doing this for quite some time. You've been doing this for a good amount of time and you have been talking about uh, recovery and how well, how hard it is on the body. Do you see a ceiling for yourself in the wrestling world? Do you, do you know when to hang it up? Well, do you give yourself a number of years? No, I don't, I don't see a ceiling. 
there's definitely kind of points in mind for me of like how long do I keep doing this for? And I'm not going to just go, I'm going to keep doing it until the wheels fall off, brother. Like I, I'm very much not like that. Uh, I will do it until I feel like I've achieved the things that I've wanted to achieve. Um, almost kind of similar to my time in chaos. When I feel like the opportunities have run dry and maybe my body can't handle it anymore, that's when it'll be time for me to, you know, pull a halt to this. But I mean, looking looking forward in that aspect, that's why I enjoy being a coach. And it's something that I could definitely do because I don't have to be so physical with it. So even yes. if my time in the ring had to come to an end, I think I could continue to be involved in the industry one way or another. Or, you know, you could be a shit-talking manager and just piss people off. <laughs> yeah. That's fun too. <laughs> no, I, no, I want I, Coach Robbie I feel like, in <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely, I would love to do a camp in the Philippines and spend more time. The The time I got to train with the guys when I was there in 2020 mm. was very brief, but I enjoyed it because that's just something that I enjoyed to do. So if I can still travel, um, which is, you know, good and bad. I, I, I don't have as much fun traveling anymore as I used to, but it's, it's part of the job. Um, but if I could come to a place like Manila and, uh, you know, try and help prosper the talent that's there, that's definitely something that I would love to do. Just to lighten things up, let's have Emil ask the last question here. All right, go Emil ASH. Um, all right, let me let me pull it back to wrestling. And uh, I know you have been in New Japan for a long time, and I know you have faced a lot of people. But are there still people? Are there still wrestlers in New Japan that you would like to face that you haven't faced before? Oh yeah, there's plenty. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, this this upcoming best of the Super Juniors that starts this week. There's there's guys like Dan Maloney. Uh, the newest yes, recruit to the United uh, Empire. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to getting in there with him and seeing what the driller is all about. Uh, I haven't wrestled Francesco Akira one on one yet, so I get to do that in this tournament as well. So that's going to be really cool because he's a little shit. Um, <laughs> just because you know uh, I don't particularly like redheads, and he's young, <laughs> and that annoys me. So he's got he's got two things working against him. Uh, yeah, there's 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 tons of people. I mean. A dream match for me is still to wrestle Kenta one-on-one just so I could get yes. the Kenta experience myself. Yes, please. And along with Sniper Bob, there's open weight Bob. He, he'll he take <laughs> any challenges. I, I recently faced Shingo Takagi in Melbourne yeah. for New Japan Tamashi. And uh, that's, that's definitely one that you guys should check out when it hits the airs uh, yeah. of New Japan World because he... I was I was a ghost after that match. It was the soul of Robbie <laughs> Eagles that that walked around that building afterwards, not the, the physical life form. Um, but so I'd like to test myself against people like Kenta. Um, and you know, now that I'm on opposite sides, maybe a match with some of the Chaos guys. Uh, Leo Rush is on the opposite side of the field to me in Best of the Super Juniors, and we've only had a tag match against each other, so that's that's an interesting singles match, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I, I developed a pretty cool relationship with Tomohiro Ishii, but if he wants to do some open weight stuff and if he's got any any aggression for me leaving Chaos for whatever reason, then I, I welcome him to to take it out on me in the ring. But that's that's more of a test for me than it is for him. All right. On that note, uh, we got to thank Sniper Bob here. Uh, one of our favorite annual Ooh. traditions here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, having Robbie Eagles. Wait, All wait. the best on the best of Super Juniors. Sorry, Ro, go ahead. I, I, I want to get him one compliment. Uh, the match versus Hiromu at Super yep. Genesis, Chef's Kiss. 
I know you were in it with him before, but Chef's Kiss. That one was really great. Well, thank you, but no thanks because I lost. So. <laughs> yes, I <know. laughs> well, you got to remind him like that, bro. <laughs> no, no, but it was really good. It was a, re- no, it was a really nice performance. PTSD, bro. Yeah, no, PTSD. It was a really nice performance. And it was, you know, um, I hadn't seen you in a while because of that. I mean, before that. So I really enjoyed watching you, um, even if it was a losing effort, uh, take him to the limit. Hey, we're I looking forward that. to we're looking forward to seeing you tear it up in the BOSJ. Thank you so much. The great Robbie Eagles. One more time here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> uh, for the listeners who for some reason still don't follow you, where can they keep tabs on you? Well, they can get in the bin, but then they can pull themselves out of the bin. Uh, they can follow me on pretty much all social media at Robbie Eagles underscore or one word. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, tune into New Japan World for the, the best of the Super Juniors 30 because it's the 30th anniversary and I think it's going to be a hell of a tournament. All right. Thank you so much, Robbie. All the best, brother. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Robbie Eagles for joining us right here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Always a fun time getting to catch up with Kuya Robbie. And uh, it's so cool to have this little annual tradition thing going on. <laughs> it's really yeah, cool. I I thought, but, sorry, I just thought we were lucky the first time we got to talk to him all the in way person. back in. Yeah, in 2020. Yeah. I got to pick him up. That was a big deal. So unexpected. What a guy. Thanks for taking the time out of your day, Robbie, to talk with us, to answer the same questions again and again. Just to be, just to you know, give us a little insight into your part of the wrestling world. Because, even when he has such a busy schedule, takes time out of his day to do all the tech work and all, you know, and, and to record this whole episode. So, big deal, and can't stop talking about it. Yeah, it seems like we're fanboying, but um, I feel like it's really lucky that he keeps saying yes to us. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, one can easily say, you know, you know, pass next time with them, but you know, he he still loves doing this. I hope he loves doing this. So thank oh, you so but much. Oh, big shopping. Yeah, never knew in. So really great. And Emil is lucky for that as well. Yeah, yeah. so super lucky. Yeah. Yeah, one day, one day, did I big shot me, Batista? I mean, I complimented him lately for for Guardians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could have, we could have, you know, maybe Bahama Damnation free time. We just, we just have to put some makeup cherry, right? Oh, tapos na yung roll niya tracks. Who knows? You know. Anyway, one day. Thank you again to Robbie Eagles and thank you to our listeners who always join us here on the pod whether you're streaming these episodes or uh, catching them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave a five-star rating uh, when you listen to an episode and hit us up every time you want to talk. If there's like a specific interview that you want us to go out and get let's see uh, just manifest it hit us up at Wrestling2XPod on Twitter and on TikTok and then for Facebook Instagram and Spotify it is at Wrestling Wrestling Podcast we'll catch you again on Thursday for our weekly live stream at 7pm that's on Facebook and on YouTube we'll talk about Backlash and uh, what the new landscape of Monday Night Raw looks like coming out of the draft and uh, for everything that uh, everything else that you want to talk to us about individually, it is at Chino Supersized, at Rowis War, at EML underscore Meister, at Monday Night Rowan, and at underscore Stan C. 
we gotta get out of here so special thanks to our babyface producers over at PNA for all of the work that they do behind the scenes really appreciate that and on behalf of Romoran Chino Liao and Emil ASH my name is Stan C saying stay safe stay healthy and don't be a dick wrestling wrestling podcast out bye bye peace The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 